0: Welcome to the First Prez podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Praise His holy name. We approach... Again, this morning, the cross, as we are walking toward Easter, looking at the cross, a very real cross, a very real wood, where our very real Savior gave his life. Would you open to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14? I'm actually going to read through to 21 uh, this morning, verses 14 to 21. And as we open the scriptures, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, open your word to us and open us to your word by the power of your Holy Spirit who alone can move in our lives to make your word live. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said, amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning at verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God And then I'm reading verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Well, this is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. We've been talking about the cross and and we've been talking each week about these different layers of the victory of the cross. Well, today we talk about one particular thing. At the foot of the cross, all things can be made new. There's a place in this world where the old dies and the new comes. There's a place where you can find new life, a fresh start. A place where your future is not just the natural continuation of your past, but a new thing happens a new possibility, a new direction, and a new destination. There is a place where where the past is forgiven and the future is freed, liberated from all of the errors that bound it and burdened it. There's a place where your old life dies and new life begins. The cross is it's kind of a passageway, it's a bridge, it's a portico into a new life. It's like a it's like a wormhole for all you sci-fi fans. You enter a new universe, a new dimension. You just whew, your new life begins. What was impossible becomes possible. Everything changes at the foot of the cross. Christianity stands unique among religions in a number of ways. First, in that Christianity is the only religion that relies upon and is in fact founded upon the death and degradation of its own God. But related to that, in a second way, Christianity is unique. It's unique in that it's the only religion that offers rescue, not renovation. Religions apart from Christianity offer a way to go, a path to follow, a a kind of a a track to go down, a pattern to pursue. Follow in the way that the great leader went and you might find uh, meaning, you might find fulfillment, you might find uh, enlightenment. But Christianity isn't like that. Now, not all these religions are named religions, by the way. The same goes for consumerism. The same goes for the the religion of fame-seeking, the religion of self-satisfaction. You get the drift. All these different patterns that say, hey, go do it this way, and you might get the result that you're after. Christianity alone proclaims that God came down to rescue and redeem that God came down to experience death itself in order to pull us home from where we had fallen. See, God doesn't cast a ladder down into the hole and say, good luck climbing out. God enters the hole with us and takes us home. Christianity doesn't expect you to save yourself, but to be saved. To be saved by God in Christ. My son Jack used to make a lot of Legos, um, lots of different Legos projects. And one time he made a big Star Wars Lego ship, which I stepped on. It's it's my special talent, stepping on toys. That's my superpower. So I, I picked it up. And uh, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but I tried to immediately rectify. You know, I, I said, okay, this wing came off. I'm going to put that back on. So I start pushing that thing down. That caused something else to come flying off. You know, and I jam that on there, and something else flies off. Until eventually my son, Jack, just came up to me, just open hands, give it. <laughs> Sorry, kid, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He'll put it back Every time I touched it, it made it worse. You follow? Every time I touched it, it made it worse. My, it's the same thing that happens when I, I pick up my son Peter's Rubik's Cube. I cannot solve those things. You know, I think that I'm going to twist it and make it better, and every time I twist it, it gets worse. Every time I touch it, it gets worse. Friends, this this is the condition. Oh, my, my, my son Liam, by the way, he makes slime, <laughs> which I can't much mess with that. So I'm... I'm at least I can work with that, you know. Every time I touch it, it gets worse. Every time I try to put it together, it spins apart. Every, every, every sort of... Friends, this is the condition that we're in when, when, the, when the Bible says sin. That every time we touch it, it just gets worse. Every time we try to step forward, we just sink deeper. Every time we try to put it together, it just spins apart. Why? Because we're, we're apart from God. We're apart from the light of Christ. We, we're confused. We're all mixed up and we're confused. We're confused straight through our being. We're confused in our, in our mind, in our heart, and in our will. We don't do what we ought to do. But also we don't desire what we ought to desire. And also we don't even think the way we ought to think. We can't think clearly because we are mired in the confusion of our separation from God and our sin. But here's the thing about what God did in his son Jesus Christ on the cross. What God did there was not encourage you to try harder. What God did there was not give you a a model or a pattern to follow. What God did there was insert himself into, into the worst of the confusion and the sickness and brought a cure, brought a way forward. Jesus Christ has the power to change a person. If you catch one thing today... Jesus Christ has the power to change a person. The old can be gone, the new can come at the foot of the cross. This is exactly what Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. In his second letter to them, he's telling them, listen, there's a place where you can go, where you go and you are transformed. But it begins with what Jesus did dying dying for all. Let's look at verse 14, where we started. For Christ's love compels us. It makes us want to go. It makes us want to move. Get up from here. His love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised. Again, got that? <laughs> Easy enough? Thanks, move on. Okay, let's get into that a little bit. Let me try to help. What Jesus did changes everything and everyone. It's an all, you see. Christ died for all. We were all, all subject to death. We were all subject to the consequences of our disobedience to God. We were all subject to separation from God because of the condition of sin. All. There's other places where Paul talks about being either in Adam or in Christ. Are you in Adam? Are you, are you stuck in the line of Adam and Eve? Stuck in the incipient disobedience of mankind? Or, or, or are you in Christ? That's the line that's drawn, he says. You're either in this line of Adam and Eve, or you are in Christ. You're one or the other. Which are you? All died when Jesus died, it says. What Paul is saying there is that the death that we were headed toward, all of us being in the line of Adam and Eve, being in that incipient disobedience of mankind, headed toward our own self-destruction together, all of us, that death that we were headed toward, that death, Jesus died. He, he, he died that death. And now there's a new possibility. There was no possibility of anything else than being headed toward that death, but now there's a new possibility. We might just stay in the line of Adam and Eve and just keep going right on down that road, but there is a new possibility. You can be in Christ because of His victory on the cross. The cross demonstrates how total, how how complete, how life-sized, It is to move from in Adam to in Christ. It means you go to the cross. You. It's nothing less than you going to the cross. Now, let me just say as clearly as I can you want to be in Christ. To be without Christ, to be remaining outside of Christ is not where you want to be. To be without Christ is the worst possible state. A preacher named C.H. Spurgeon said years ago, it is a most unhappy condition to be without Christ. A most unhappy condition. He went on and said, it's inconvenient to be without gold It is miserable to be without health. It is deplorable to be without a friend. It is wretched to be without reputation. But to be without Christ is the worst lack in all the world. You want to be in Christ. To be without Christ, to be apart from Christ? Well, first of all, I mean, we profess here That this impacts your eternal destination. That to be without Christ is to be subject to eternal death after your natural death. That this matters in the afterlife. Now if you're not a Christian this morning, you don't believe that. So you're not concerned about that. But let me put it to you this way. You see, we use these metaphors in the Scriptures, dead and alive. You're dead or you're alive. And, and they refer to our eternal destination, but right now, they're metaphors. I mean, I can I cannot know Jesus and still be physically alive. we agree? So what are we talking about then? Well, listen. Even though you're physically alive without Christ, you can be spiritually deadened and psychologically trapped, enslaved. Enslaved. Look at verse 15 again. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Should no longer live for themselves. But live for him who died for them and was raised again. Those who live, those who are in Christ, those who believe, those who follow him, they no longer live for themselves is there any more radical transformation of a person? Jesus Christ has power to change a person. You may not be worried about the afterlife. How about tomorrow life? How about today life? If you are in a universe where you are the center, if you are in a self-centered solar system, If you're living in a life where the only gravity, the only force of of gravity is what pulls things toward you or holds them around you where you want them to be and you are at the center of it all, let me tell you, you are in a very small universe and it is getting smaller every day. Listen, self-centered is self-enslaved. Now, what does Jesus do? Jesus said, Those who live no longer live for themselves. They no longer live for themselves, but they live for Him. Jesus breaks you free from all of that. Jesus, He invades our self centered solar system with an overwhelming new force of gravity. And we realize, oh, I'm not the center of everything. He's the center of everything. And now I'm liberated. Now I'm not stuck in a self-centered solar system. Now I'm part of something bigger. And all of a sudden, I'm not just spinning around in circles. I am freed and propelled to traverse this, this endless adventure. I am sent off in space and time on a great adventure through endless I've been watching a, a lot of lost in space and I, <laughs> on Netflix I think it invaded my sermon a little bit but this is what Jesus does to change a person no longer spinning around yourself you don't live for yourself you live for him because he died for you and he gave you new life <laughs> where are you headed Are you free or bound? Augustine and then Martin Luther after him both described sin as being curved in on yourself. Incurvatus in se. Is that where you are? Christ has the power to change a person. Our whole world tells us that being the center of your own universe is life. But we all come to find out it's death. There's another way. There is no more total transformation of a person than when you stop living for yourself and start living for Jesus. And it happens at the foot of the cross. Come to the foot of the cross and you get on your knees and you look up humbly to Jesus. You put your life In His hands you find Him as your center and the gravity breaks out and you start knowing and living life eternal. Eternal life. Eternal life, you see, isn't just about living forever after you die. Eternal life is about the quality of life right now. It begins right now, but it requires going to the cross. There's a place where life turns and all can be made new, where the center of gravity shifts, where the old dies and the new begins. It's at the foot of the cross. Look at verse 17. Boy, why don't we just read it together? If you don't have it underlined in your Bible, today is the day. You can underline it in the church Bible if you want. (laughs) Oh my. Verse 17. You want to read it together, church? Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Amen. Amen. The old is gone. The new is here. It's as radical and complete as the new creation of all that is. New creation. It's as radical and complete as a man giving his whole life. To die on a cross for us. That's why Jesus told his friends to take up their cross and follow him. He was saying it takes everything. He was saying, Look now, I don't come into your life as an add on, I don't come into your life as an accessory. I don't come into your solar system as some kind of a ninth moon or something, way out there on the edge. No, when I come in, my gravity takes over everything. And I am the center of your life. You give your life to me, and I make your life new. It is nothing less than a complete recreation of who you are. That's why Paul, the author of this letter, Paul, who was a, remember, was a a rabid anti-Christian terrorist. Paul could write, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That's gone. That's old. That's the old life. It's over. And Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Through the cross. Or again, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. See, we go to the cross. Our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. So that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We should be set free. Set free. Now, if we died with Christ, verse 8, we believe that we will also live with him. Look, what I'm trying to say to you this morning is this. You don't move from being in Adam to in Christ by thinking about acting like Jesus. No. You come to the cross and you give him all of your life your former life, your former self, your enslaved and bound self, your curved in self, you you take it and you put it on the cross. As much as you possibly can, you say, Lord, take my old life away. I want to die to my old self. I want to live to the self that you have brought me. And, And when that happens, when you put your life before the Lord and your old life goes up onto the cross and dies and that's it, When that happens, this scripture says, new creation. (laughs) A new creation. (laughs) Did you think you could be new? It's entirely new. The old is gone and the new has come. You're a different person than you were before. And by the way, that old self was a false self anyway. It was a lie and it was a farce, and it was wrong. And now you get to be your true self in Jesus Christ. The old is gone, and the new has come. And Christ moves into your life, the center of all things, and he gives you new life that revolves around him, and is for him, and is focused on him. And in that life is joy, because in that life is eternal life. I've seen it. I've seen it again and again. Last month or a couple months ago now, I met a, um, an Iranian Christian named Merdad Fatehi. Iranian Christian. So I said to him, Iranian Christian. I want to hear that story. <laughs> How did that happen? He said, actually, I, I've been a Christian since I was a boy because my dad converted to Christianity. His dad was a med student in Iran, and in medical school, there was a little Bible study happening at his medical school, and and he went to that Bible study. He read a little bit of the New Testament, heard a little bit about Jesus, and nothing happened. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. And he went on into his life, became a doctor, and as his success grew, his misery grew to match it. And he got to a point, this man, to where as he tells a story, he said, I could not stand being me. It was some 20 years later that he got to the point of despair where he was just so trapped in, in self-centered and self-enslaved that he was just sick of being the man he was. He said, "I just, I couldn't be the man I was another day. And as he was in a a despair moment late at night, a phrase popped into his head. And it was something that that Bible study teacher had said 20 years ago. And it was this, just this one sentence. Jesus has the power to change a man. He opened up his heart and he prayed. He said, Jesus, I don't know you, you don't know me. But if you have the power to change a man, change me. The next morning at his doctor's office, a delegate from the Bible Society came knocking on the door and said, would anyone here like to buy a New Testament? He knew it was an answer to his prayer. Merdad, this man Merdad, he was 10 years old when his father gave his life to Christ. And what he remembers is nothing less than total transformation. From a man who was miserable, a man who, who stayed out late, worked long hours, didn't want to be at home, was uncomfortable in his own skin, you know, and was unfaithful, unloving, uninvolved, he remembers a total transformation into a man who loved and cared for his mother, his, his, you know, his wife, uh, to a man who was attentive to his children. He remembers a home that changed from being loveless, joyless, to a home that was full of laughter and love and peace. The entire family gave their life to Christ. Entire family. And now this man, Merdad, he is the director of Of a Bible school in London that trains pastors for the underground church in Iran. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Hmm. Praise God. Praise God. The underground church of Iran, which by the way is about a million, somewhere between one million and three million strong. So we'll pray for them. Pray for them. One story, I could tell you so many, I could tell you mine. Jesus has the power to change a man. If you've never heard a story like that, a story of transformation, and you're here this morning with someone who brought you to church, just ask them to tell tell you theirs. We've all got one. Because if you're no longer enslaved, if you're no longer enslaved in a self-centered solar system, if you're no longer in Adam, but you have new life in Christ, then everything changes. The old is gone and the new has come. Christ can change a person. He can change your life. How is it possible? It's possible. It's possible because what Jesus did on the cross had to do with all of us. It's possible because Jesus became our sin and bore its consequences. Look at verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What we were could not be in relationship with God. And so Jesus became what we were so that we could become what he is in communion with God the Father in eternal life forever and ever. But it doesn't take just a little bit. Friends, it takes giving your life over. How is it possible? It's possible because what Jesus did on the cross opened the door. How is it possible? How is it possible for a new believer to experience new creation? Well, it's possible, second, because the God that I'm talking about here is the God of all creation. (laughs) If he made all of this from nothing, he can recreate your life. You can have new life in the creator God. The cross stands, friends, as an opening to new life, but also a testament to what it really takes. You surrender. You humbly surrender to Jesus, your Savior. As radical as nailing your own life to a cross. So this isn't about incrementally bettering yourself. This is about being saved. This isn't about adapting and following the ways of Jesus. That will come later when you know that he saved you. You want to serve him. You want to be like him as much as you can. Your life starts to change. But this isn't about that. What I'm talking about right now is the beginning of faith, the new instance of faith, the moment where the impossibility dies and a possibility opens up, the moment where your old life dies and new life comes because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Can you see your whole life nailed to the cross? Only when you can can you see your new life emerging On the other side of the cross is the resurrection. New creation. New life. This isn't about finding a religious project, it's about finding a rescuer. Everything I touch gets worse. You ever feel that way? (laughs) So I don't need encouragement to do better. What I need is real help, real restoration. Real change. I was watching the NCAA tournament and there was a, a young man in the crowd who had a t shirt on. I guess it's a big uh, movement and it says, uh, Be a good person. Be a good person. Which I like that. We should all want to be good people. But I thought, is that going to solve the problems of our world? When everybody I know is the center of their own universe, is that really going to be the solution? Listen, I don't need religion. I need a redeemer. I don't need a path. I need a pardon. I don't need lessons in life. I need new life. Jesus didn't come to make good people better. He came to make dead people alive. And you can find new life at the foot of the cross. Let's pray together. Lord for some of us we feel this morning that you're speaking to us in a new way that we didn't realize the fullness of what it means to have our life in your hands and i pray for courage for those lord for those among us who who need to know the true promise and the true redemption found at the cross and for many of us lord we have experienced that once in our life maybe twice and we need to be reminded again today that coming to you and being saved is not a once and done. Lord Jesus, that we give our lives over to you again and again and again. We know, Lord, that our lives are in your hands. And when our gravity takes hold of our universe, Lord, break us out again by the force of your love and Holy Spirit. Help us to look to the cross and to be freed once again to adventure with you. So bless this church this morning, Lord, and be glorified as together we look to you and your cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Pres Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.